1: to our new podcast politics by faith so if you're new to us welcome uh quick genesis of what we're doing here everyone i know has been very anxious lately and by lately i mean for the past few years a lot of stress and despair whenever you watch the news and you're just bombarded with news all the time me too by the way and i don't like it i don't like feeling this way So the goal of this podcast is to give you the top story of the moment and then give you some biblical and historical perspective to bring you and me peace. Because I think a lot of my anxiety comes from this incorrect belief that this is new, that, oh, this has never happened before. Ah, what do we do? But Ecclesiastes 1.9, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. None of this is new. And that gives me peace, and hopefully, uh, at the end of the episode, you have some uh, extra encouragement to fight on. It's called politics by faith, as a play on Hebrews eleven and twelve, as all the Old Testament saints by faith were made strong out of weakness. So these terrible things going on in our country and the world, they can make us weak, or they can make us stronger. So let's throw this anxiety off of us, not grow weary, but instead find the confidence we need to run the race with endurance. That's why we're here and I'm grateful you're here. Please give us subscribe and uh, we'll see how it goes. So the story we're going to talk about today is Hurricane Ian. As I am recording this, it is a category four storm, winds of 155 miles per hour and uh, a terrible storm surge is beginning and that's A huge problem. Storm surges is with the the storm pushing water onto the land. And you can get surges up to nine feet. And that's massive damage. Saw a picture of utility trucks. You know, those bucket trucks all lined up as far as the eye could see. Ready to deploy after the storm to restore power. But there's going to be a ton of damage. You know, we tend to not appreciate the power of nature. We're very disconnected from nature in our everyday lives uh and in this case the power of water right it's like there's nothing stronger i, I was a swimmer in college so when i first went surfing i thought oh this is no problem i'm a great swimmer this piece of cake and i just got crushed just crushed trying to paddle out by like two foot waves so water is powerful a nine foot storm surge And then wind, 155 mile per hour winds. I mean, that's flipping cars. It's ripping off roofs, ripping up trees. Of course, taking down power lines. You know, hopefully enough people evacuated, but some didn't, some couldn't for whatever reason. And we pray not a lot of people die, but the destruction is going to be massive. Homes destroyed, possessions gone. Now, I want to be clear. This episode is not for anyone in Tampa I so I mean they're kind of busy now anyway but it's not super helpful for me to roll up to somebody's house that just got destroyed and be like well you know it's only stuff pal buck up get over it already like that's not very tactful right wisdom requires a little tact a little sensitivity when dealing with a sensitive issue so this episode is not for the good people of Tampa but What's going on in Tampa can be a good lesson and a good reminder for the rest of us who are in a better place to hear this truth. And the truth is, nothing is yours. Have you seen the movie Father Stew? Wife and I just watched it. We enjoyed it very much. Uh, Stew has a rare disease. It's like, like ALS, where his muscles are wasting away, but his mind is still all there. And he comes to the realization at the end of the movie. He says, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. I love that. And this human experience that we're living, well, it's full of what the Bible calls light momentary afflictions, even if they don't feel so light in the moment. Maybe you've had it all. But things will break down, and you'll lose it all, too, because nothing is yours. How liberating. Oh, how freeing. You don't have to cling to everything with all your might anymore. You don't have to hustle every breath of your life to grab all you can and keep everyone else away from it, because it's not yours. Nothing is yours. Do you make your heartbeat? Do you make your lungs breathe? Do you command the synapses in your brain to fire at precisely the right moment and precisely the right way for your arms to move? You don't do any of that. Praise God, how liberating. Now in your hustle for more, realize that none of it's yours and you can't take it with you. Now, Slater, you're not being very sensitive. Okay, let's take some time to lament because there's true lament here. It is hard to lose everything you own or the things you love. Your home is gone. I mean, people in Tampa area, like, they're going to go back in a couple days and their neighborhood will not exist and just won't be there. And yeah, maybe you know that you can buy a new TV or you'll get insurance money to replace the couch. But what about that family heirloom? What about, I mean, I don't know, you have one. What's your, what's your most important family heirloom? I'm looking right now at my grandfather's Bible from World War II. Can't replace that. Man, it hurts to lose things like that, connections to our past. So I mourn the loss of those things for people. It's a real loss. Right, it's the old question. If your house is on fire and you got to run out of the house, what, what would you take with you? I think people used to say family pictures, but those are all on in the cloud now <laughs> on your phone. So I don't know what people say anymore. My wife and I, we wrote out our wedding vows and those are framed in the house. So I would rip that off the wall and let's get out of here. But if you lose those things, that's hard. So yes, it's worth taking a moment to lament the loss of, of things and even places, right? If your whole block is destroyed. So to mourn the loss of those things that are meaningful to you.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: So what's the biblical perspective here, Slater? Help me out. Well, listen, it's easy to go to Job right now, and I'm going to do it because Job had everything. He had seven sons and three daughters. He had a thousand ox to plow his fields to make plenty of food, 500 female donkeys to make the delicacy of the day donkey milk, 3,000 camels, basically his trucking business that he hired out for people traveling by. He had 7,000 sheep. Think of all the wool that those sheep made that he could sell. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So the family was close. They loved each other, loved each other deeply. Job had it made. And then he lost it all. So one day, this person after person came to him and said, you've lost this, you lost that, your camels, your donkeys, everything. You've lost your livelihood. You've lost your children. You've lost it all. And the crushing news kept coming. The storm surge kept rising. The winds kept whipping, getting faster. Job lost everything. I think the most important thing to realize when you're reading through the story of Job is he didn't know the deal. He didn't know the conversation that God and Satan just had. He was in the dark the whole time. If in the beginning of his suffering, God said, hey, Job, listen, bad stuff's going to happen to you. A lot of bad stuff. Don't sweat it. I got you covered. If God did that, then Job's faith throughout wouldn't have been impressive. But Job knew nothing. And as his friends berated him, as his wife told him to give up and curse God already. Even when Job himself cursed the day he was born, he never lost faith in God. When he got close, then God came down and gave the message that we all need to hear. And the message is, I am in charge. And none of this is yours anyway. Oh, no, Slater, I want to be in charge. I am in charge. I'm in control. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Hey. Listen, relax. You're liberated from being in charge. It's great news. Embrace it. Chuck Swindoll tells a story of a pastor's conference, and there's a big sign above the entrance to the auditorium, and it it said, relax. For once, you're not in charge. So you had all these men who were in charge of their church, or, you know, they they think they're in charge. They're not, don't, you're not in charge here. (laughs) So Relax. Now, I understand in the history of people being told to relax, no one has ever been relaxed. But Jesus said in Matthew 6, don't worry about your life. I feed the birds, and I love you even more. You're not in charge. God is. But I want to take time here to pick out one visual out of God's speech to Job. Two words that that really stood out to me that I think are just interesting and we're talking about and that is the word behemoth and leviathan so just to get ready for this visual job 38 god finally speaks to job job has been begging for his day in court and he's got some he's got I got some questions god i got some questions for you so god finally comes down to speak to job now in the bible sometimes god speaks in a whisper like he did to elijah in a soft whisper and god also speaks in a whirlwind It's up to him. Again, he's in charge. He chose whirlwind with Job. And check out what God says first. I love this. God says, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. In other words, you have no idea what you're talking about, Job. Words without knowledge. You have no clue. And I love the dress for action like a man. In Hebrew, the the translation is gird up your loins, gird up your loins. So back in the day, men wore tunics. And if you were working or fighting, the tunic was too long. It would get in the way. So the men would lift up the bottom of the tunic and tuck it into their belt. And that was called girding your loins. It man meant get ready for battle, right? Man up. And when God tells you to get ready, (laughs) here it comes. And God goes through all the things that he can do that you and I can't. So God's like, I got some questions for you, Job. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Oh, tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. (laughs) Amazing. Did you make the planet, Job? Did you make the universe? Did you make the oceans? Did you decide how deep the oceans are? Who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far you shall come and no farther. And here shall your proud waves be stayed. Did you do that, Job? (laughs) You get the idea. The rest of Job 38 has all the the loving rebuke. Where were you, Job, when I did all these things? And God asks that to me as well. He goes through the stars. Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? It's a constellation. It's 410 light years away. So if, if light and you know, fast light goes pretty quick, if light travels straight for 410 years, that's how far away these stars are. So did you put those there, Job? Did you loose the cords of Orion? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? No, the point here is to make you seem very little. God talks about the sun, snow, rain, the lion, the raven, the donkeys, and oxen, and ostrich, and horse, and hawk. And finally, shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. <laughs> you got to answer these questions. And Job fell to the ground. He said, Behold, I am of small account small account. A great word there. The word is uh, kalal. It can mean trifling, insignificant. It also means vile, which today has like a connotation of disgusting. But the root of the word means of low value. That's it, right? So Job's like, I get it. <laughs> I don't know anything. I am of low value compared to your authority and power. And that's what God's nature can show us as well is how insignificant we are, how powerless we are compared to the power of God's creation. I imagine this hurricane, right? The power of the storm surge, the power of 155 mile power winds. You can't contend, right? But just imagine how laughable it would be if you stood in front of your house uh, and you tried to like, like, beat the storm back or something right like like you could stand there and stop these powerful forces by yourself no chance no chance and that's God's point with all this but then he gets into behemoth and leviathan so what is a behemoth well god says to job i made this behemoth behold his strength in his loins and his power in the muscles of his belly for his shade The lotus trees cover him. Those are 80-foot tall trees. Behold, if the river is turbulent, he's not frightened. Can one take him by the eyes or pierce his nose with a snare? Meaning, can you kill it? Are you able to kill this monstrous beast? And he goes on describing this massive animal. Now, what is this animal? What's, What's the behemoth? Some people think it's a hippopotamus. Some people say it was a type of dinosaur. No one knows. I think that makes it all the more exciting. I can tell you this animals used to be a lot bigger than they are now. There were some penguins that used to be as tall as humans. The giant freshwater turtle was 20 feet long. That's two basketball hoops laid down long. Two of them. Right? There was a type of pig as big as a Clydesdale horse. There were alligators 30 feet long. The megalodon shark. That Megalodon's not just the name of a monster truck. The Megalodon shark were as long as 60 feet. That's as long as an 18-wheeler, a tractor trailer. Did you imagine a shark as big as a tractor trailer? In 1741, there were some Russian explorers who discovered what is now called the Stellar Sea Cow. It's like this giant walrus, 30 feet long, 20,000 pounds. That's the weight of two elephants okay enormous the sea cow huge they're all dead now but one and all these giant animals are dead the animals used to be a lot bigger one famous biologist he thinks that there could still be a giant sloth somewhere in the amazon rainforest this is a sloth that is the height of a giraffe (laughs) <laughs> like what like what do you mean there could still be this animal and we don't even know it how do we not well we we haven't explored all of the amazon we have no idea what's out there we don't know the full extent of the animals on the land let alone the ocean there's a type of horse called a, a, a rewoche, and we thought it was extinct 200 years ago and in 1995 some british scientists were headed to tibet and they got lost in a snowstorm and they got off track and they wound up in this valley and came across hundreds of these horses that they thought were extinct. And the local people were shocked that anyone thought something so common could be considered extinct. 1980, some people explored a cave in Romania. They found 33 species of insects that no one's ever seen before. My favorite story uh, in the 80s, a scientist from the Smithsonian did something that no one would be allowed to do today. He went to the middle of the rainforest in Panama, laid nets under 19 rainforest trees and sprayed them with insecticide fog and all these dead animals came tumbling out of the trees into the nets and he discovered 1,200 new types of beetles over a thousand he concluded there might be a hundred million types of insects in the world and we're not even close to knowing them all god knows them all do you know how many animals go extinct every year what do you think? How many animals go extinct? Uh, two? One, two? Scientists believe 2,000 species go extinct every year. 2,000? You're like, holy cow, we're going to run out. We're going to run out of animals. Nope, that's only 0.01% of the species on the planet. And don't worry, we discover 18,000 new species every year. It's about 50 a day. Wouldn't you think if someone discovered a new species, it'd be like a huge deal, it'd be front page news? No, nah, they discover 50 a day. But the people who do this, they're like, we oh, found another one today. <laughs> this guy's like, oh, I discovered six new species. <laughs> they discover them all the time. And I love these stories because we have no idea what's out there and God knows everything. And that's his whole point with Behemoth. He made it. And whether it's a giant dinosaur or you want to think of it as like just this like poetic beast or you want to think of it as a hippopotamus, which, by the way, is literally the deadliest land animal in the world. So no puppy dog, even if it's just a hippopotamus. The point is, you're scared of it. God's not. And then God turns to the Leviathan. Same idea, but this is an animal of the sea. Maybe even more intimidating. God says, can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook? So what's a Leviathan? Some say it's a crocodile. I say bigger. Again, there used to be crocodiles that were over 30 feet long and as tall as a human. So like the thickness of this crocodile was six feet tall. Like the, 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 right? He says, uh, God says, could you catch it with a fish hook? <laughs> no chance. And I love this, so comical. Will the Leviathan make many pleas to you? Will he speak to you soft words? Will he make a covenant with you to take him for your servant forever? Like, can you domesticate this Leviathan? No, the Leviathan will destroy you. He's ferocious. He counts iron as straw and bronze as rotten wood. The arrow cannot make him flee. For him, sling stones are turned to stubble. But God is bigger. He says, who then is he who can stand before me? No one. The Leviathan is a bloodthirsty, brutal killer and submissive to God. And we should be too. King Nebuchadnezzar figured this out eventually. He says, he does, God does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? It's true submission, right? That's King Nebuchadnezzar saying, I may be king of certain people here on earth, but I can't breathe without you. I can't move my muscles without you. You're in charge. Nothing is mine. The point of all this is to make you feel very little. And that's why Job says, I repent in dust and ashes. I consider myself nothing more than the dust and the ashes beneath me. Do, does, this, does this all make you feel little? Do you feel little compared to the behemoth and leviathan? Do you feel little compared to the power of hurricanes? Should. They're mighty. They'll rip your house to shreds. Your house feels sturdy. But a hurricane will crush it like Lincoln logs. And you can't breathe without God. God. And if you can't breathe without God, if your heart can't beat without God, how much credit can you take for the things you do or the things you have? And therefore, how much remorse can you have for the things you had? Now, again, I wouldn't tell this to the people of Tampa today, but it's a good reminder for us always. As Job said, it's 121, I was naked when I was born and I will be naked when I die. The Lord gave these things to me and he has taken them away. Camels, sheep, family. The Lord gave these things to me and he has taken them away. Praise the name of the Lord. Mm. Man, is that hard. So what is in your control? What is in your control? What do we do with this? Prepare for the worst. As a workaholic a former workaholic I, I didn't want to miss my kids' childhood with work and I wanted to figure out a way to be more in the moment more living in the moment and I came across this advice from the Greek philosopher Epictetus it's around the year 100 now I'm going to share this with you and when I first heard it it's one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life and You'll probably think so too. And you'll reject it at first. And I don't blame you. I did. You should reject it. It's awful. I just ask you to think about it twice, eventually, later. It could be immediately. It could be tomorrow, next year. Think about it another time. Reject it at first. Think about it again later. Epictetus, his advice was, as you kiss your son goodnight, whisper to yourself, he may be dead in the morning. Oh geez Slater, like, like I was kind of with you for this whole time, but that's awful. <laughs> I know. But why? Why is that his advice? Because the worst thing imaginable could happen at any moment. On my radio show, every year we do a fundraiser for people at the local children's hospital. So I've talked to tons of parents whose kids have been at the children's hospital. And the stories are all the same. Uh, everything was fine, and then it all changed no warning at all, but if you can face the fact that you can lose a child at any moment, the most important thing to you, if you face that reality, then you won't dare waste a moment. If you can imagine the worst, then you won't take this moment for granted. All of it can go away in a second. Ask Job. ask the person in Tampa whose house was there on Tuesday, Now it's gone. Go away just like that. And only when you fully realize that truth can you fully appreciate the present. All right. Final thought to meditate on. I threw a lot at you. The point of this episode is nothing is yours and you're not in charge. I need to remind myself of this every day. It's incredibly liberating. I hope it is to you too. None of this is mine. I'm not in charge. If you can come to that understanding, then you'll find a level of peace that few have. But the ultimate maturity is when suffering comes, you can look it in the eyes and say, good. This is from the movie Father Stew. I told you we liked it, and we just watched it, obviously. So this is from a movie, but it's biblically true. Again, he has a rare disease. It's like ALS. It's taking away his body, but he still has his mind. He says, all of our outer nature is wasting away, but our inner nature is being renewed every day. Inner, getting stronger every day. 2 Corinthians four sixteen. This life, no matter how long it lasts, is a momentary affliction preparing us for eternal glory. We should not pray for an easy life. But the strength to endure a difficult one. Because the experience of suffering is the fullest expression of God's love. Why? Because it is a chance to be closer to Christ. Mm. To be able to look suffering in the eyes and say, Good, this brings me closer to God. Wow. That's that's the ultimate. I'm going to think a lot about this. I'm going to think a lot about this so that I'm more ready. And, and, I, and I hope this is helpful for you so that you can be ready when your hurricane comes. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you could please subscribe, if you haven't already, leave us a five-star review, maybe write a little note. Just say the show's great, that's it. Someone wrote a review, and they said, oh, love the podcast. Four stars. <laughs> it's like, what? Like, Give it the five. What's it to you? It helps with the algorithm, especially because we just launched. If you get a five-star line? Uh, please send me any feedback you have. Slater Radio at Gmail. The website's mikeslater.locals.com. Uh, I'm just so grateful you're here. And I think once we get this podcast right together... I think it can really be something. I'm, I'm grateful and thank you for being a part. Of it. This is Politics by Faith with Mike Slater.